This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Hey, hey, welcome to Talking Halos on a Thursday night edition, a special edition of the show. It is late. It is a 6-0 game if you're watching on the West Coast, East Coast. The Angels are up 6-0, but that's not why I'm out here tonight doing a podcast. I'm going to do just a brief one for you. Well, we visited with Carlos Calazzo from Baseball America. He's a draft guy. And what we were able to do is have a short interview with him to kind of go over some of the best picks Angels might be looking for and what other teams might be, might be active during this upcoming draft next week. And I want to get it out to you during the week. So that is why we are doing the show tonight. Before I get to the interview, though, I do want to ask you to head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. We really, we really appreciate that. We really would. Also, we're available both on Spotify, we're on Spreaker, we're on Player FM. We are pretty much everywhere podcast can be found. That includes now Google Play. Also, if you're a listener, I'd like to just ask you, text a fellow Angels fan. Let them know about our podcast. I mean, the world to us as we try to grow this new show is our goal to be the best Angels podcast out there. I hope we're on our way to being that. And with all that said and done, just want to go ahead and pass on our interview with Carlos Calazzo from Baseball America. All right, folks, I'm here with Carlos Calazzo from Baseball America. Carlos, how you doing? I'm doing well. Five days nice. out from the draft right now, so so it's busy, but uh, excited to to finally get here after kind of following these guys for a year, and excited to to talk draft with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're glad to have you. And we have it's been hard finding good draft coverage. So when I found your name, like ooh ooh ooh, let's get them on, let's get them on. <laughs> did, did I say it right though, Calazzo? Yeah, that's perfect. It's perfect, perfect. All right, so you, like you said, the draft is next week, and given the Angels' death issues and rebuilding farm system, we're hoping mm-hmm. you do have some answers for us. So what do you see as the biggest strengths and weaknesses for the Angels system right now? Yeah, so I'm not as familiar uh, with the Angels system as some of my colleagues here, so I kind of ran it by some of these guys who, who cover the minors full-time for us. I'm, I'm kind of always focused on the draft, and it sounds like uh, just athletic outfielders seems to be the strength of the system. Obviously, Joe Adele is a very talented prospect, um, but as far as infielders and maybe pitching depth, I think that that's maybe areas of need that you would want to address. 
Um, whether that's something that's addressed with the first pick or not is, is another question, depending on how the board falls. But um, I'd say that's a very vague general uh, view of the system for me. But um, So you're yeah. thinking position. I mean, to, to us who are watching this team every day, we think yeah, mm. starting pitching is got to get now. Not, mm. Yesterday, then you go back in time, time machine, and last year. But so... For us, you're watching. Yeah, starting pitching the thing is, and what are some of the players you believe would be a good fit for what the Angels need and are trying to do with their franchise right now? Uh, you're talking about their with the with the first pick of the draft this year. First pick and moving on, sure. Yeah, so uh, I do think they're going to have some interesting pitching options if that's where they want to go. And kind of the teens here at the top of the class, there's a lot of hitters, but there are a number of college pitchers like. Uh, I don't know if a Nick Lodolo will, will reach uh, the 15th pick, but um, Alec Manoa is a right-hander with West Virginia who's who's been pretty good. Again, a chance to go ahead of um, of the Angels pick at 15. George Kirby might be the most realistic of the college arms if if it's, hey, we need pitching and we need it now, and that's what you're targeting. I think George Kirby is maybe the, the highest floor pitcher in this class, at least one of those guys in that conversation. Jackson Rutledge is a uh, pitcher with San Jacinto Junior College who has a little bit more upside than that. He's a guy who kind of holds upper 90s velocity deep into his starts this spring. Uh, he's a guy who, again, might go in front of that pick. But outside of the college arms, I think more realistically, there are going to be a number of the of the top high school pitchers available in this kind of range. Uh, Matthew Allen is a kid out of Florida who um, is arguably the best prep pitcher in the class. On our board, he's a top prep pitcher, and he's done really well this spring. He's a guy who we've mocked to the Angels. Um, before the spring, he's a guy that I know the team likes and has been bearing down on. Uh, so that would be an interesting one. He's got two 70 grade pitches and a fastball and curveball, maybe the best curveball in the class, at least rival some of these other guys. Quinn Priester is another prep arm who I think could be in consideration here, uh, who's done really well this spring. Um, and then you got a guy like Brendan Malone at IMG Academy, another Florida prep pitcher who has one of the best fastballs in the class that rivals Daniel Espino. So those three guys I think would all be interesting there. Jack Leiter is a guy who I personally really like, a Northeastern prep arm. Uh, the signability with him is going to be the question. He's a Vanderbilt commit and could easily wind up on campus. So those are a lot of the arms that I would look out for if you were an Angels fan, kind of hoping to get pitching. Um, those would be the names that I point to. So wait, backing up, to the, the prep names especially, which mm-hmm. ones of those names do you think could fall to the Angels at 15? I think all of those names would be have a chance to be available there. I think this... In this year's class, at least based on how we've uh, the conversations that we've had with scouts and scouting directors, it sounds like uh, they're going to be this top tier of six hitters that go off the board early, and then shortly after that, it sounds like there might be a little mini run on college pitching at some level in front of the Angels. Um, while there are a couple other college and, and high school hitters that could factor into that range as well, but I think there will be a number of of high school pitchers. I think while Matthew Allen has a good shot to go, not a good shot, but a chance to go in front of fifteen. Uh, Quinn Priester as well. I think after those two, I, I would say all of the high school pitchers would probably be in play for that pick uh, and available. Just help me break this down a little bit, though, in terms of college pitchers versus mm-hmm. high school pitchers. Because, you know, mm-hmm. there are many people, the, the Major League Baseball draft didn't start getting bigger in terms of fan mm-hmm. attention until more recently. And mm-hmm. help us understand what's, at this point, what are teams looking for and why would they choose a college pitcher over a prep pitcher and vice versa? Yes, yeah, so I think uh, actually our uh, minor league writer, Kyle Glazer, just did a piece on this last year. Last year's pitching class was really deep, so we kind of dove into some of the, the track record for especially the high school pitchers. I think in the first round, if you look at 
how those high school pitchers have kind of borne out throughout their, their minor league and professional career. Oftentimes it's, it's not much better than the guys who are going in the, the second or even the third rounds. Uh, in some cases, some teams are good at identifying those pitchers, but the pathway for a high school pitcher, uh, how long it takes for them to get to that major league level is just so long. And so many different things can happen with their development, with injury. Um, it's just, you have to be a lot more patient with that and you have to be good at both identifying the pitcher that's going to make it and also just developing that pitcher. The morgues are better than that, um, than others are. But with, with the college pitchers, I think the difference is you just have much more certainty. There's less projection you have to do with those guys because, uh, they're, they're older in many cases, almost all cases, and they have track record against better hitters, against better competition. Uh, and it's just a quicker path to the major league. So you have, you're a little bit more sure with what you're getting when you take a college pitcher. And I think that's kind of why you, most most drafts you see the prep pitchers slide down the boards as you get closer and the college pitchers get get boosted up. When you look at the positional players and and personally mentioned infielders, like the, for example, the Angels have no real catching depth at all in the Marling system, so I would think yeah. that would be a, per, a place they want to look. What are some names that mm-hmm. jump out to you and why? Well, Adley Rushman is obviously not getting there. He's the top catcher in the class, the top player in the class for us, and he has been since last summer. But I do think that uh, another guy who would be interesting and a realistic uh, potential option for the Angels at 15 is Shea Langliers at Baylor. Uh, prior to the season, we had him as a top 10 pick and as kind of consensus, he was a top 10 talent. Early on the season, he had a broken handmate bone and that kind of limited him in his playing time. And I think um, going into the year, scouts kind of were, were a little bit more skeptical of his bat than maybe some of these other college hitters because he did have a down year just hitting uh, as a sophomore while he still got on base at a pretty good clip and also hit well with USA Baseball's college national team last summer. Uh, but he's a guy who whose defensive skills stacks up with really anybody in this class. He's an elite catch-and-throw guy, uh, handles the staff really well, good pitch framer, good thrower. Um, so, again, that would address that area of need, and I think on talent it would also fit for him to go in that range. We think he's going to go in the 11 to 16, 17 range at this point. Chance he could think in, into the top 10, but it sounds like the teens are more likely for him. Between 11 and 17? Yeah, Okay, and what about other infield needs? Third base would come to mm-hmm. mind, uh, potentially even first base. You never mm-hmm. know what's going to happen with the Angels at first base right now. <laughs> they got a couple guys yeah, no in, doubt, in yeah. the system, but you just never know. Yeah, well, there are a couple. There are a couple of prep guys who I would point to. I know um, Keone Cavaco is a pop-up guy out of Southern California who um, teams were vaguely aware of to to varying degrees depending on the club. But he really popped for himself this spring. He's a really tooled-up kid with plus raw power. He's athletic. He's a good runner right now. I think the, the field to hit would be the biggest question with him just because of the track record of his performance against some of the top pitchers in the class uh, just isn't at the level of some of these other hitters. Uh, so he would be interesting. Uh, I know the Angels are a team that's seen him and, and has some more um, track man data on him just because he had a workout at the Angels field. I think Brett Beatty is a guy who, who's playing third base now. Might have to move to first base in the future depending on kind of how his defensive development comes along, but he's one of the better hitters in this class. I think he fits on talent in that range. The question with him is uh, he's very old for the class. He's going to be 19 and a half on draft day. I don't think the angels are, are one of the teams that would want to be in on that or some teams that are just out. I think for pick 15, maybe the angels would not want to go that route. Um, but he is a guy that would fill that need. And then another guy for third base is and uh, in, in the college ranks is Texas tech third baseman, Josh young. Uh, he's a guy who was highly thought of entering the season has a long track record of hitting uh, in college, maybe a little bit less power than you would want to see from that position, but I do think a lot of scouts think there's raw power in the tank uh, that he can tap into more in the future as he kind of makes a few minor swing adjustments, but great field to hit for him. So what are some names that you expect 
in rounds later. I'm kind of I'm just following up on mm-hmm. the main key. What players do you believe would be a good fit for the Angels? But as we get outside the first round, second round, and beyond, mm-hmm. we, it seems seems like the Major League Baseball draft goes on forever and ever. So yeah, it does. <laughs> um, what are some players you expect them to kind of zone in on later in the draft, second round, third round? Yeah, to be honest with you, with with these with the with the major league drafts, it's so hard. It's even hard. It gets muddled once you get into the teens and twenties to mm-hmm. kind of identify who is on what player. Once you start getting into the second round, that gets super cloudy. I mean, there is a cluster of players that you could check out on uh, on our website that are ranked in this range that we think would make sense to go uh, based on talent in this range. But you you have so many things going on with the signability, how teams are using their bonus pool, whether they want to overslot a guy, whether they want to underslot a guy and use money and spread it out. Uh, so there's just so many variables that go into that. I think there are a number of high school players who have some more upside, maybe like a Reese Hines at IMG Academy, similar to Cavaco in some ways, but maybe the best raw power in the class, significant um, swing and miss questions with him. So if the Angels are going to go with another high upside player like they've done in, in the past, I think he's a guy who, who could be available for their second pick. Um, another another high upside guy is Blake Walston. He's a left-handed pitcher, prep pitcher out of North Carolina, very good strike thrower. He was an athletic quarterback for his high school football team as well. So I think those kind of players, those high upside prep players that maybe have a few more questions than some of the guys we're talking about in the first round. Um, and if they don't want to add that risk, there are a number of college performers who aren't as toolsy as some of the guys in the first round. That, that would be interesting as well. Something you mentioned just now was the slotting. And I've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. asking questions about slotting and money, especially mm-hmm. when it comes down to the potential negotiations between you know for Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel mm-hmm. how can you explain it best for in terms of slotting for players in the draft yeah so I'll just say if you if you follow other sports drafts most of those um are hard slots so if you get taken on a certain pick you know how much money you're going to make the way baseball does it is they assign slot values for each pick through the first 10 rounds uh so that's basically what major league baseball says this pick is worth this much however uh you're not guaranteed that pick if a team if a team, let's say, takes a player and something pops up with medical that adds a little bit more risk to the profile, they can go back to the player and say, okay, we found this. Uh, we originally thought that we would value at this this level, but we're going to lower this because of something that came up in the medical. Or vice versa, if you have a player who's maybe sliding because of signability concerns, uh, let's say, because I mentioned him earlier, Jack Leiter, let's say he slides to 20, let's say 26, because the Diamondbacks have a number of picks. He slides there. Um, the Diamondbacks think they're going to have the money to sign him. That pick value is worth $2.6 million. They could undercut a few of their other picks or their first pick and sign those players to less than the slot value is and go over slot for lighter at, two, at uh, pick 26 in this situation. The only thing is, once you sign everyone, you can't go over your total bonus pool. So, for example, the Diamondbacks have a little bit over $16 million. Um, so they have to make sure they sign all their guys at that rate or lower, basically. Uh, there are a few little wrinkles in that. And after the 10th round, it's you get 125000 or 150000 to spend, and then your the overage goes towards your bonus pool. So it is more complicated than other drafts, uh, and that's how you can see some players who are more talented go behind a player who, who most people think is less talented. Sometimes it's just the financial, um, the financial factors of the draft. So basically, just the way I'm understanding you is it's it's a salary cap for the draft alone, and you mm-hmm. have you you have an estimate basically of how much money a mm-hmm. player is worth that pick, but you have the freedom to move around. Am I getting exactly. that right? Exactly. That, 
Yeah, that sounds about right. And we have all the uh, the bonus pool information on our site. If you if anyone wants to check it out and like learn more about it, like we have the slot values for every pick through the first ten rounds, so you can kind of see how that breakdowns and and which clubs have which which pool allotment and all the, all that kind of stuff. All right. So, which team should we pay the most attention to next week, and why? Well, I think first of all, the Orioles, just because they have the first pick. So that's, I mean, that's always going to be the storyline of the draft is who is the first player, and and it, it should be Adley Rutschman. He's he's like I said, he's been the top player in the class, kind of the consensus top player. Um, you got the first pick, you take the best player. I'd say keep it simple. But after that, uh, the Diamondbacks are going to be a very fascinating team to watch. They have a number of picks. I think it's seven of the top 100 picks. They have more than $2 million uh, more in pool money than the next closest team, which is the Orioles. Because of all those picks, they have uh, pick 16, 26, 33, 34. So they have a lot of resources to throw at this draft class and can really change the direction of their franchise if they do it right and they hit on some guys here. Uh, they're going to have a lot of opportunities, and it'll just be fun to see kind of what strategies they decide to use. Do they just take the best player available at each pick? Do they maybe try and slide some guys to to picks further down the board to take some more risky profiles higher up? Just just how they kind of navigate that will be interesting to see, and I, that's what I'll be watching for after kind of the top players are off the board. Okay, and zeroing back in on the Angels, and I know you mentioned you weren't as much of an Angels guy. But given what you were able to pick up from folks around the office and what you're able to see, how long do you think it's going to take the Angels right now to build a contender around Mike Trout? I don't know. That's a tough question. It's been a challenge for them for for a number of years. And, I mean, everyone wants to see Mike Trout in the playoffs, obviously. And I know the Angels, they want to see see their team in the playoffs. Um, They're not in the easiest division, I would say, but some of the teams at the top end who seem like pretty much locks to – to make the playoffs every year it's it's tough i mean if they if they hit on a few players they hit on uh some pitchers and i know they have a couple of talented um position players already i mean joe adele is a guy who could be uh, a franchise changing kind of player uh jordan adams is a guy who i was really excited about coming out of the draft in, in 2018 i got to see in person a lot uh he'll be fun to see what happens with that but i think it's just pitching i mean the offense I would I would think that you have a chance to compete with that offense. Otani obviously adds a lot, and depending on what he does when he comes back, uh, if he comes back to the mound and how he does there, that'll change things as well. But, I mean, you just need to see some pitching with the Angels. Um, a timeline, I don't know. I'd hope you can do it in the next two or three years. I don't think it'll be too long um, if things go right, but but you never really know. I would not be the expert. You probably know more than that, more about that than me. Well, I just, you know, you know the young guys. You've seen them in the last couple of years. You've watched the, the, you know, yeah. the draft. You've seen the, you saw the guys they picked. And I'm actually, I'm more of a, I want to say a hawk on what they've done the last couple of years, the farm system. I've been very happy mm-hmm. with it. I know there's a mixed yeah. bag out there of people who, what they've done. I, I think they've gone from, let's say, like two years ago, it's pretty much a consensus. Two years ago, that farm system was the worst in the league. And now mm-hmm. they're probably middle of the pack. and come a long better. way. And, yeah, I, you know, no so doubt. I look at it and go, they're doing a good job. They're rebuilding it. They're finding good talent. They're developing talent quickly. Griffin Canning developed quickly. He's pitching now, mm-hmm. today. So I'm looking at that and going, you know, they're, they're doing it right. People can be patient. And so just kind of asking you as a guy who focuses on that area, the draft, the young mm-hmm. guys, you know, where they're going. And that, so my, my, my point of view is going to be different. My point of view is on the here and the now. I don't know the young guys coming up like you do. And that's why mm-hmm. I wanted you on the show. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me. I hope I can hope I provide some sort of information to maybe uh, get into the fans a little bit more excited about the draft. But it's going to be fun, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, what I'd like to do is once once it's all said and done, have you come back on because now you're going to know the draft class, and I can ask you those questions. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, let's do it. I'd be happy to. That'd be great. Well, that's, that's awesome. All right, so can you tell folks where to find you and your work, by the way? Yes. You can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo. That's where I'm most active. If you want to kind of see the most up-to-date stuff that I'm doing or what I'm hearing in the draft as we get closer, I'm sure I'll be a little bit more active on, on Twitter. But uh, as far as where you can find my work, all of that will be at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, we recently released our uh, Top 500 Draft Prospects list with scouting reports for all those players. We've got state lists coming out to have even more players throughout the country uh, that you can check in on. Um, we've got a mock draft coming up at the end of this week, so maybe one of the players that we talked about today will be uh, slotted at 15 for you Angels fans. Um, and aside from that, uh, aside from draft coverage, we've got a bunch of great college coverage up on the site right now. The NCAA tournament is uh, kicking off. College World Series is, is on the horizon. And then uh, obviously all the minor league stuff that, that the other guys do on staff is fantastic year-round. So just check out the website at baseballamerica.com and if you're interested in this stuff, uh, consider subscribing. We really appreciate it. Yeah, they do have a bit of a paywall, right? <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, it didn't look expensive. It didn't look like it was backbreaking or anything. No, so. I think it's like a couple of coffee a month or something like that. Yeah, they, uh, that's well, if it's a if it's a Starbucks coffee. The <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> it's still pretty affordable. If it if it's you know the, the it's so specialized in what you guys do. So if you are a baseball mm-hmm. junkie, if you are a draft junkie, you're falling in love with this side of the sport, go check it out, Baseball America. Also, Carlos, Carlos Colazzo, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you probably in another week and a half or so. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks again. All right, so good stuff there. It's, I think the second part of our interview after the draft will be the better part. That's when he'll break down all these new young players Angels have now as part of their farm system as a result of the draft. I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see how Billy Upler moves to this draft, see who he takes. I think it's going to be part of the puzzle. He's been rebuilding this, this farm system for a while now, so I'm excited about that. All right, before we head on out of here, if you're looking to sponsor us, we really appreciate that. You can email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com if you like what we're doing and you want to keep the lights on here because, geez, I mean... I mean, my gosh, poor John is like living in a shed now. He's all by himself, you know, just kind of cleaning floors. I, I can't give you the full details, but help us keep the lights on here. Also, you can leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453 for more information. We'll gladly talk with you. All right, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talkin' Halos. You can find our Facebook page on Facebook, which is Talkin' Halos. Find me on Twitter at DC Paula and John at Jake's Crane John. Don't forget us on Spreaker, iTunes, all those places, places like I mentioned before. We'll be back this Sunday for our weekend edition. Have a great one. Take it easy. City, home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.